The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, handheld future. I know, it's kind of the present, but we're going to talk about the future. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Enterprise mobility is moving at triple internet speed in what we now call the mobile 2.0 world. Adoption of BYOD, come on, you know, that's bring your own device, and enterprise-wide B2E, B2B, C2B, you know those acronyms. It's disrupting the way we traditionally handle our computing. Now, we're talking about startups because this is startup focus. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that startups have the agility, the flexibility, the entrepreneurial spirit, the zest to be on the cutting edge of it all. So here's a question. How do today's most savvy entrepreneurs, and that's a clue, I've got them on the line today, how do today's most savvy entrepreneurs embrace the mindset of the mobility that is dramatically changing our digital dynamic? We're talking about how it's personally changing our lives, professionally changing our lives, and changing what we know about commerce, so commercially changing our lives. I have a panel of three. Wait till you hear what they have to say. First up, I'm going to read you some quotes they sent me, and then we'll meet them in a moment. Craig Basson from a company called Easy Ask. Put it together one word. Very provocative. Craig says, our grandchildren will not need to, nor will they know how to type. OMG, be still my heart. That's provocative. We'll be finding out from Craig if he's willing to make those into fighting words in just a moment. Joining Craig on the panel is John Siegel from FanApps, F-A-N space A-P-P-Z. Now you know how to spell it. And he quotes the one and only Warren Buffett. The quote, the first rule is not to lose. The second rule is not to forget the first rule. Well, that sounds very orderly. We'll find out why he picked the Warren Buffett quote. And rounding out the panel is a return guest from SAP Startup Focus. It's Sanjay Shiroli, and he quotes Sergey Brin, the Google co-founder. Listen to this. Google Glass will help fight the antisocial and <clears throat> emasculating habit of compulsive smartphone checking. Very interesting from Sergey Brin. Thank you, Sanjay, for that. So join us for the next hour for an insider look at startups and mobility, the handheld future. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome so much to our show. It's Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Today is Thursday, December 12, 2013, and we are inching or perhaps propelling toward the end of the year. So we've got some great information for you about the future, which could be just on the other side as we approach 2014 very, very shortly. Let me tell 
tell you about my special guests. We'll meet them, hear their voices, and then we'll find out what their quotes really mean in their POV. First up is Craig Basson. He brings an extensive career in emerging technology software, as well as a serial entrepreneurial spirit to Easy Ask. Recognizing the enormous potential for Easy Ask's natural language-based e-commerce, business intelligence, and ad hoc query products, Craig orchestrated the acquisition of Easy Ask technology from Progress, Progress Software in May 2009. He also choreographed a leveraged buyout of a $30 million software division of Sapiens Corporation, providing application development and data integration technology. Let me zip through his, uh, we could spend the whole show on his bio. He began his career in software in the early days of the RDBMS boom. He was a top sales manager at Ingress Corporation and later became the first director of National Accounts at Oracle. Craig Basson, welcome. How are you today? Hey, Bonnie, thanks very much. That was a pretty long bio. It was very long. I cut it in half. You'll forgive me. Craig, where are you calling from today? Actually, in Lake Tahoe. Oh, what are you doing in Lake Tahoe? Uh, chatting with you, but I'll be skiing later. About 3 o'clock, <laughs> I'll get out and get three runs in before they close the mountain. Okay, we will let you go on time, I promise. Okay, thank you very much uh, for taking the time out in Tahoe. It, it is that My holiday pleasure. time of year. Okay, John Siegel is joining you on the panel. John is the founder and CEO of Fan Apps. He has 18, more than 18 years of sales and general manager experience before founding Fan Apps. Well, I think that's a little bit of an alliteration there. Before founding Fan Apps, John was a VP of sales at Siebel Systems, where he was consistently recognized as one of the top contributors to their growth from, get this, $40 million to $2 billion in annual revenue. He started out at IBM, responsible for sales to the media, advertising, and Average and entertainment industries. He was an EVP of sales, global distribution and alliances for a San Francisco startup where his efforts led to business relationships with major retailers and partnerships with companies like Verifone, HP, NCR, and IBM. And welcome, John Siegel from FanApps. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Oh, what a great, great uh, sound on your voice. Where are you calling from today, John? I'm calling from beautiful Santa Monica, California. And I can tell it's a clear connection. Must be beautiful weather. We have to do a shout-out to Krista Thomas. I think she's one of yours, right? You bet. She's listening. She says she's tweeting. She's listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Thank you, Krista, and thanks for all your help in getting John on board with us. And rounding out the panel is Sanjay Shiroli, who's been on the show before. He's with the SAP Startup Focus program. After spending 17 years as a Silicon Valley entrepreneur with, and I think he's very humble here, two reasonably successful startups behind him. That's in quotes. Sanjay felt it was time to give back to the entrepreneurial community. He does this in multiple ways, including he mentors entrepreneurs. He volunteers at nonprofits like TIE Silicon Valley and through his current role here at SAP Startup Focus, where he evangelizes about the program to accelerators, incubators, universities, VCs, and other startup-related organizations around the world. Little Birdie tells me he likes to ride motorbikes, but somebody in his family is not a believer in that. And he loves the sharing economy and uses Airbnb worldwide when he vacations. Sanjay Shiroli, welcome back. How are you, Sanjay? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thank you for having me on the show. Wonderful to have you. Where are you calling from today, Sanjay? Palo Alto, California. 
Okay. Well, it looks like I'm anchoring the East Coast here. And guess what? I, I hear there's snow coming, but right now it's dry, it's sunny, beautiful sunset happening, and we're crossing our fingers we can get through this pre-holiday weekend without any of the white stuff on the ground. So here we go. Let's talk about the quotes you all sent me, and thank you all for very provocative quotes. Let's find out what the heck our grandchildren have to do with this. Craig Bassin at Easy Ask says, our grandchildren will not need to, nor will they know how to type. Craig, really? Talk to me. Yeah, I think so. Um, and the reason I think that is that if you look at what's going on today, there's a new um, paradigm shift in voice recognition, and it's really something that provides intelligence behind it. So, you know, we've had voice rec for years and years and years and nuances, you know, the 800-pound gorilla in voice recognition, but it's really not been intelligent. It's been a straightforward uh, path that takes a, a uh, text stream and convert to an audio, sorry, an audio stream and convert it to a text stream, but there's no mm-hmm. intelligence of what it is that you've said or what it actually means. Now there is, right? So what's happened is, and, and a lot of credit to SRI International, they're the ones that invented Siri, and Siri was the first product that actually put an intelligent natural language engine behind a front-end voice recognition system. So now when you say something, it actually understands the intent or the context of what it is that you said. So... We're all walking around, there's something like 300 million of us, or maybe more these days, uh, with iPhones and iPads that have Siri on it, of course, and then the Android side, there's Google Now that's providing, you know, essentially the same thing. So mm-hmm. that's what's happening on the smartphone side. And if you take a look at video games, many of them now are, you know, are, sorry, voice recognized. Um, satellite TV, the same thing. And that's going to continue right on down the line. So... Really what it comes down to is communications. And we're getting to the point now, and we're actually there already, and now it's going to be about adoption, where we can communicate with computers, and of course, smartphones really are pocket computers, incredibly powerful, Mm -hmm. uh, that allow you to make telephone calls. But we're at the point we'll be able to communicate with all of these computers the exact same same way we communicate with each other. So, so we'll, really we'll, get the, is, we'll get the personalities in there. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that we'll reach the point very quickly where there won't be any need to type any longer. We can say and state what we need. Google's there already. Uh, most people don't know that. But and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But, in fact, you can request exactly what you're looking for instead of dumbing down the request because your assumption is the search engine doesn't know what it is you want. Great points, Craig. Do you, do you think this will bring back the what we feel, what many, many people have observed is the lack of interpersonal communications today, where as we move into handheld future, which sounds like progressing back to the voice, and we all know, Craig, and, and to the other panelists, we know that the voice has heart, it has passion, it has emotion. That's what's missing from the typed word. The text community, the text interaction is just text. It doesn't have that color and that flavor. We don't know what the person is really thinking. We know what they're expressing. So do you think that this voice communication, voice recognition, Craig, will bring back this sense that we can communicate from our hearts as well as from our fingertips? What do you think? That's a great one, and I think that's a bit of a stretch. And, in fact, <clears throat> that's my next startup that I've got uh, on paper about five years from now. But certainly certainly, I think computers can understand the intent of the context of the straightforward question, right? Emotions, it's going to take a little bit longer. 
Okay, I'm, I'm thinking of a Big Bang Theory in episode or oh, a couple months ago where um, Raj fell in love with Siri and he carried his phone around and he talked to her all the time and he even invited her to dinner and had the phone on the table and eventually somebody set it up where he met the woman who was Siri and he was so bashful he ran out of the room. I don't know if anybody saw it, but it was, it was quite an expression of how people can get emotionally involved with this disembodied voice. And she's lovely. She has a lovely voice. So thank you, Craig, for that. Let's move on to John Siegel at Fan Apps. John, you've quoted Warren Buffett. The first rule is not to lose. The second rule is not to forget the first rule. So relate that, please, to our handheld future topic today. John Siegel. Sure. Well, you know, if you didn't know who originally said it, you could think it's from a top coach for a football team or some other sport, but, you know, it's from the most successful businessman or one of the most successful businessmen of our time. And what I like about it is the focus that it it brings or uh, makes you think about. And we've all been in meetings where people's mobile phones are buzzing and ringing and you know, very distracting, and obviously we all know the pace of change has, has you know, accelerated significantly over the last several years, and so I like this idea of the discipline, the accountability, the focus to it. You know, what does our team need to do to win mm-hmm. and be successful, and you know, whatever that may be, that's what we need to focus on, tune out everything else, and so it's simple, it's concise, but very powerful at the same time. Okay. Do you agree with me when I said in the intro that startups have the agility, flexibility, and entrepreneurial spirit to be on the cutting edge of it all? We just talked to Craig, and he said, my idea of Siri understanding emotion will be something he's going to possibly work on in the next five years. Do you think that your position at at uh, FanApps, your, your entrepreneurial spirit, will allow you to embrace this next wave of taking advantage of what we're seeing in the handheld future, John? Well, so absolutely in that the you know, entrepreneur or the startup has the, typically the, the speed that, you know, to make decisions and to change things that you typically don't find in a large organization. You know, when I started my career at IBM, uh, you know, that was a very big company. And to make decisions, it took quite a long time. And so mm-hmm. I think there's that ability to react and make decisions that the entrepreneur has an advantage uh, in. But at the same time, you know, when IBM was in its heyday, in the early days, it made everything, right? So as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. when you're building new solutions, you, you can't make everything. So even though you can do things quicker, there's still a lot of dependency upon the platforms and the other elements of the ecosystem. So there's somewhat of a balance. You know, the bigger companies who've been around this for a while may take longer to get there, um, but they also perhaps have more resources. So I think you, know, you could argue it either way. Obviously, we like the position we're in because we think this is a very fast-moving space, and the ability to make decisions and, and act immediately is, is a significant advantage. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. We'll talk to you a lot more after our break. Let's get Sanjay Shiroli in here. We're in no hurry to break, Sanjay, so we have plenty of time to find out why you picked this quote from Sergey Brin, Google co-founder. Let me read it again. Google Glass will help fight the antisocial and, as I say, <clears throat> emasculating habit of compulsive smartphone checking. First, tell me, antisocial I get, but emasculating habit of checking your smartphone all the time? Talk to me, Sanjay. <laughs> you know, it, you know, this quote really struck a deep chord in me. You know, oh, yeah. because whenever, whenever I'm in public places like airports or waiting in line at coffee shops, I rarely encounter anyone who's looking around, making eye contact, or even chatting with each other in the line. It's almost as if you enter the coffee shop or get in line in an airport, and you don't, right? You want to hide behind this 
crazy smartphone. You pull it out of your pocket and you stick your head down. To me, that's emasculating. It's an emasculating habit, at least for men. And these are <laughs> Thank the, you. actually, if you think about it, these moments when you're in lines at airports or coffee shops or wherever, these are the moments of serendipity that are being lost because everyone is looking at their smartphones. You know, they're furiously swiping down their Facebook feeds or desperately refreshing their email inboxes. And all they're hoping is to see a new update or photo or an email. I do believe that Google Glass and similar devices, and I think Craig hit upon that a little bit, um, these devices will help us hold our heads up and look at the hundreds of opportunities that surround us. And that's the reason why I felt very strongly about this quote, and I brought it to your attention. Very interesting. And I'm thinking, as you're speaking about people checking their latest email feed, what if you're on Twitter and you've got five or 10 or 20,000 followers and you want to see the conversation, you, you can barely breathe for pushing that feed and figuring out who said what and what you should respond to. That makes it even worse. And going back to, to my conversation with Craig, what I was trying to say, Craig, maybe I wasn't clear enough, was it by being able to do rely more on voice recognition in this coming next wave, maybe we will express ourselves vocally more and look forward to it more and maybe Siri will understand Siri please I need an Italian restaurant in five minutes it's my anniversary and I forgot maybe she'll get that that desperation and maybe we'll get back into the habit of being vocally expressive that was my hope so you know what we're going to take a quick break, about one minute long. I'm going to ask Mike to take us to break after I tell everybody this is Startup Focus with Game Changers. We have a great topic today, handheld future. We're talking about the reality and what's coming down the pike. At the end of the show, I'll find out what my guest thinks is five years off or farther out. We're speaking with Craig Basson from Easy Ask, John Siegel at Fan Apps, and Sanjay Shiroli at SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. Don't even think of touching that dial, that mouse, that app, and there's no time for you to check your Twitter feed. We'll be right back. Mike out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're 
listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. I couldn't have said it better myself. Let's join Fan Apps on Twitter. We're tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio. You can all spell that. Go ahead. Jump in the water's fine. You can ask some questions to my guests or just make comments. We'd love to see you and we'll do a shout out to you. Now it's time for our little icebreaker segment called What's in Your Cup Today? Let's ask Craig Basson from Easy Ask. I'm having an easy ask, Craig. What are you drinking? Um, it's not what I'm drinking now. I'll be drinking after 5 o'clock. And, again, that's coffee. Uh, but it's kind of a specialized coffee because in that coffee is a shot of Bailey's, you know, a little bit of Myers, and then just a little bit of Kahlua, a little kind of splash of uh, whipped cream on the top. So it's fantastic. Whoa, it sounds fantastic. I'm going to have one of those tonight. Now, tell me something. What do we call that? Sometimes they're called Irish coffee. Sometimes they're called Mexican coffee. Is there an, a, a, a label that goes with this wonderful combination? I, I can. My mouth is watering already. What do you call it? I call it the Easy Ask Special, actually. I knew that was coming. I knew, somebody put that <laughs> recipe on Twitter now. That's great. Easy it's Ask Special. That's a good one. John Siegel from Fan Apps. I won't ask you to top that. Let's just start as though you're the first one. John Siegel, what are you drinking today? You know, about a, a year ago, I started drinking honest tea, and so that's what I'm drinking today. And, uh, you know, in addition to the fact that it's an awesome product, I don't know if you followed what they do from a PR and marketing perspective. No, tell me about it. Who are they? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. A couple of years back or a few years back, they started creating what they called the Honesty Index. And what they do is they take their product and they set up these unattended stands in uh, every state and in major cities. And then they let people come to these unattended stands. And on the honor system, they put a dollar in and they get to take the product. But what's happening is they're actually filming uh, what people do. And then they go and calculate what's the most honest region or city and what's the least honest region or city. And this thing, this story gets picked up absolutely everywhere. It's brilliant. Um, And interestingly enough, uh, this last year, I bet you could, well, I'll just tell you that the least honest region Mm -hmm. in the index this year was Washington, D.C. Go figure. Oh, we are not surprised. Let me read you two quick remark, two quick uh, talking points about honesty. I, I googled them on Wikipedia. The Coca-Cola company purchased a forty percent stake of Honesty at forty-three million dollars in two thousand eight. It bought the rest of the company in 2011. That's number one. Number two, in 2009, Honesty U.S. got an unpaid ador- endorsement when the New York Times revealed that. Do you know where who's stocking the tea, John? I'm sorry. What was that? Do you know who is stocking the tea that got an, uh, an unpaid endorsement in the New York Times? I I'll do not you know get. that. All right. Talk about Washington. We're talking about the White House. The White House is now stocking Honest Tea as its President Barack Obama's preferred beverage, specifically Green Dragon and Black Forest Berry flavors. What about that? Thanks for that. Heads up. Very interesting. Okay. And Sanjay Shirole, I still will not ask you to top that. We've had two really interesting coffee comments. What are you drinking today, Sanjay? You know, I typically am a big uh, coffee drinker, but I needed to calm down a little bit for this radio show, you know, to mm-hmm. keep it going nice and easy. So I'm currently drinking a tea from a company called Stash, and the flavor oh, is yes. wild raspberry hibiscus. It's herbal tea. St- 
Stash is wonderful. I always I drink uh, mint tea very often when I go out to dinner, and if they have stash, it's usually very, very tasty. Good. Thanks, everyone. Let's move on now. Let's go to the roundtable segment of our show. I'm going to kick this off. We're going to get serious, but not quite so serious. How seriously can you take smartphones? Well, they've taken over our lives, but let's see where we think they're going. Craig Basson, you told me before the show, and this is quite a provocative remark, you said it's all about the UI stupid. I know you weren't talking to me. Why did um, why don't you have to dumb down an app for smartphones? What in the heck are we talking about here, Craig? Start us off, please. Well, so it's about the user interface or the user experience. And here's a good example of one. I was on Travelocity the other day on my iPad, and I wanted to rent a car on a one-way drop. And I couldn't do it. Hmm. Um, I had to go to the full site in order to do it. Right Now, it isn't that hard to do, really, but that's usually what you find uh, in an app designed for a smartphone. It's some limited functionality from a more robust app that exists on the desktop. Um, And and the reason they did that is because you've got limited space available generally, right? So the issue isn't about computing power, right? The issue is Mm -hmm. you have a 3-inch by 2-inch screen or a 4-inch by 3-inch screen. You, You know, these mobile devices... Not, not so much a tablet, but certainly a smartphone, are, are torturous for data input, and they're, they're an absolute nightmare for navigating, right? So they, they need to make it fairly easy. So generally what you see in a mobile app is a screen divided into six or eight buttons, and those buttons do one specific thing, right? So mm-hmm. that's what I call dumbing down the app. Now, there's no reason for it other than the fact that the UI has no way to interface with the end user, and that's changing. And, by the way, that's what we do, right? We provide the ability to understand the content of the data. So with Easy Ask, and this isn't a shameless plug, it's, we're just the only company today that does it, we understand what the data that you're connecting to is all about, whether it's CRM data or business intelligence data or healthcare data, right? We, we read it, we understand it, and then we understand the intent of your question. So if you're on a smartphone, and you want to connect up that smartphone to, sorry, smartphone to SAP CRM, for example, your field sales mm-hmm. rep on the road. <clears throat> you want to get out of your car, and, and before you walk into the, cust- the customer site, there might be some important questions you want to ask, like mm-hmm. show me open support calls. Right? That's an important question to ask before you walk in the front door. Is this going to be a friendly call or a hornet's nest? Now, that's not an easy question to answer, right? But it's something that we do very, very well because what we're doing is we're understanding the intent of your question and we already understand the content of the data. We put the two together. It's exactly what Siri does mm-hmm. when you ask it to find the local pizza hut. But the difference is we're mapping it to business data. And so what Siri is doing for smartphones and Google Now is doing for smartphones as well is they're allowing you to ask a question and get an answer. So another very quick Example, I was looking for kickoff time for a football game last weekend. I went on Google and I typed it. And I got, you know, as Google does, 28 pages of results. And I started scrolling down. And I picked up my iPhone and I said, Siri, what time does the game start? And Siri told me in a second. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to ask the question right now before. And I have a talking point I want to talk to John Siegel about. Uh, handheld future. How far away is that future, Craig, in your opinion? Don't give me your predictions yet, but is the future here, or how much farther do we have to go to get to what we consider the beauty point or the, the wonderful point where we're thrilled with handhelds? How far away is that? Well, listen, I love mine now. Um, mm-hmm. they, they can get better and better and better. Um, everything I've talked about just now is certainly doable. 
right? There's no question about it. What we're seeing today, and I actually looked this up just before the show, is that 77% of iPhone users are using Siri, and 70% of Android users are using Google now, right? But what we have to do is remember to use it, candidly. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I was probably the poster child for distracted driving, CEO of a company, <laughs> something's always happening, and stop at a stoplight, take a look at email, you know. Yeah, it was just a matter of time, you know, before I hit a trash can or, or worse, right? Now, um, you know, Siri changed that. Google Maps changed that. Google Maps is a great mm-hmm. example of that. So a year ago, you pull up Google Maps and you wanted directions. You're driving along looking down at your smartphone, right? Now it's audio. Now it's turn-by-turn instructions. You have to look anywhere. So it's no longer distracted driving. It's already there, right? But what has to happen, I think, at a few different fronts is that we have to understand that we've got the technology already to extend this intelligent voice recognition to all data, number one, and have app, um, sorry, app, um, software companies start designing their mobile apps to have voice recognition in it so we're not distracted all the time, number one. Number two, the automakers need to stop reinventing the wheel. Every one of them has their own unique design navigation mm-hmm. GPS system. And every one of those things is a nightmare compared to what's running on an Android or what's, what's on an iPhone. We should just exactly. be able to plug in our iPhone and have a bigger screen, you know, and let the, you know, let the smartphone companies handle it. They do a better job of it anyway. There so you, you go. Take that to the next step. Now give it to healthcare. And now put that in the pockets of doctors and nurses. Mm-hmm. They're walking down the floor. Because God forbid you go into the ER, all your, all your medical records are out there, but they have no access to it. If they walk by my room, it would be nice to hit the button and say, when's the last time Basson had a tetanus shot? Or show me the results of his MRI. Just have it stream right to that, right to that device. Thank and you, Craig. All, all good right. points. I will thank you. I want it. Well, then we'll, we'll be negotiating what we're considering the future during the rest of the show. I appreciate that level set for us. John Siegel, let's talk about something you told me before the show. You said there's been a power shift from mainstream social networks. Let's talk about that side to apps that leverage the native capabilities of the phone. And to the point, you're quoting uh, a percent here that 40% of online traffic on Black Friday came from mobile devices, according to IBM's digital analytics benchmark. You also say there's not a proof point for any specific mobile app or social network, but rather for the centrality of the phone itself in our lives. So we are glued to it for good reason, or it's just a habit that caught on like viral wildfire. What do you think, John? Well, I think the point of that was, you know, really that the the phone itself has become the platform uh, that a lot of uh, the development community is building directly to. And, and I know, I think in the beginning, there were some uh, newer social networks that may have been referenced, or people certainly talk about, you know, uh, you know WeChat and WhatsApp and, and others. Um, and they built these audiences not by necessarily building on a particular social network, but they built these audiences by leveraging you know, the address book in the phone itself. And so, um, you know, the, the, I think the power shift that I was referring to is, uh, you know the the builders of the phone operating systems. You know the Googles, the Apples. Um, you know seem to be uh, in an interesting position today. Whereas maybe a few years ago, more of the development community was thinking sort of social network first. I think the mobile platform has really become the place of focus, and uh, and as a result, you know it, it's it's driving a lot of what we see and what we do in the development community. 
Okay, thank you. Sanjay, I want to bring you into this. Do you want to comment on what John just said or the expansive viewpoint that Craig gave us about the value of mobile, especially in driving and healthcare? What What are your thoughts, Sanjay? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, there's always going to be some percentage of users uh, in the coming five years or beyond who will need to use laptops or, or devices which have keyboards and large screens and things like that, you know, the, the accountants, the bean counters, the the classic developers and things like that. But the bottom line is I believe that a vast majority of digital users uh, like you and me will transition to the full-time use of smartphones and tablets from laptops and PCs for sure. And, uh, you know, as they need things for their personal, personal or professional computing. Now, this trend is already occurring, right? If you look at mm-hmm. PC and laptop sales for the last uh, six quarters, uh, there's been a consistent decline, and there's no, uh, you know, a reduction in sight for that uh, decline. So I, I, I fully agree that that transition is happening, uh, but not everything is going to get replaced with, with smartphones and, and tablets is, is what I think. Now, let's, let's talk about the prioritization of apps that we all understand are designed originally for laptop desktops that are going to have to be redesigned for the tablet and the smartphone form factors. Who decides that? Is something, uh, Craig or John, is that something that, that is a, uh, a CRM issue? Is that something that there are people at big companies, developers, listening to what's happening on the, the Twitter sphere and the social networking say, oh, great, more people want this app than the other. Let's be the first to bring that to the smartphone form factor. How does the prioritization happen now that the first wave has happened? Craig or John? Well, I think, um, this is Craig, I think John made mm-hmm. a really, really good point about Black Friday. And e-commerce is an excellent area to focus on because what's happening there is it's going mobile, and it's going mobile right now. So one of the things that you'll find is that there's been an evolution in search. And when you go to Google these days, Google's no longer a keyword search engine, right? It's actually much, much more intelligent than it used to be. So they use a semantic model that actually understands, you know, similar to what we do, they understand the intent or the context of your question, right? Right. Um, but what hasn't happened is that hasn't really translated into the e-commerce world, um, except with us, because we do that. So here's a quick example of that. So everyone's going mobile with it. If you're at, if you're at uh, Best Buy shopping for a big screen TV, you might want to go to Amazon and see what they're selling theirs for, and that happens all the time, right? But if you're mobile, it's, it's, again, it's difficult because it's tough to navigate. You can go to electronics, you can go to televisions, and you keep touching buttons and... You know, I call it click fatigue. You finally give up on the thing, right? But mm-hmm. um, it, it should be, and it can be, and in fact it is. But if you go to a search box, and True Value Hardware is a good example of one, go to a search box and hit the microphone, your Siri microphone, mm-hmm. um, right, or your Google Now microphone, you say, show me gas grills under $200. That's exactly right. what you get, right? So that's a great example in one vertical market of how it's changing from the desktop to mobile, but... Again, the UI has to change to make it workable. You can't go to the old guided navigation model and have it work on a smartphone. Okay. John, you want to comment on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think your question was, you know, how do we or how is it being determined what's the priority by taking yes. applications that live on the desktop and, and who decides right. what ends up uh, on, the, on the mobile phone? And, and you know, clearly... You know, it's a it's typically a money question, right? It's it's hey, I want the pot of gold. I'm a startup. I'm going to try and build something, or you know, I have an existing business and I'm I'm afraid of having it, you know, uh, being replaced by someone else who's going to beat me to it. Um, and so, you know, whether it's the e-commerce 
business that's trying to make shopping a better experience and they think they can make more money by going mobile, that, that, those are the, how the priorities are being driven. But there's no organization to it, right? There's just so many people who are doing so many different and interesting things. I would say, you know, there's, there's no common roadmap or common theme. It's just, you know, people are looking for how can I create a great consumer or user experience that people can carry around with them in all these interesting places. And so many things are experimental and so many things are being tried. Um, but I actually want to circle back to this notion of um, our desktops and laptops going away. Uh, you know, there's still so many things I think we do on the desktop or laptop that they're not going to be going away. Um, and so, you know, ever try using a spreadsheet on a, on a mobile phone, it's not fun. Um, so I still think there's lots of uses and applications for, for desktop. Um, but obviously, you know, the trend is, is, is growth in mobile, and we're going to continue to see it go that way and increase over time for sure. So will desktops and laptops become the necessary dinosaur, the dinosaur in the room that we have to have because our eyes just can't deal with big amounts of something on a small screen, John? I don't wouldn't consider them a dinosaur. It's just it's it's it serves a purpose. And okay. and people are now, you know, multi platform. They have uh you know, their their laptops that do and and you know uh, MacBook Airs that do you know what they do best, and then you have your mobile phone for what it does best. And I don't know that we'll ever replace some of these things that you do well on a on a desktop. I mean, you find people adding keyboards back to their pa- their tablet. Well, they're just recreating a laptop, really. Uh, so you know, I don't think we need to get into the argument of will these things go away. I think we'll all continue to have some use across all of them. Interesting. I'm I'm looking at a point Sanjay told me before the show, and he says there are six straight quarters of declining sales for laptops and PCs. So I'm wondering if fewer and fewer people are buying them, how they're going to stick around. But as you say, we don't need to get into that. John, I want to ask you for a moment. Would you tell us a little bit about fan apps, please, so that people know what your company does? Uh, absolutely. Well, you know, in my bio, you may have um, mentioned that I started in the CRM software industry, and so we helped mm-hmm. businesses use software to acquire new customers and maximize the value of their customer relationships. And what we're doing at FanApps is really taking the lessons we learned in building and creating the CRM software category, but applying it in social and digital and mobile. And so my company helps brands uh, like uh, Fox and the Olympics and others use uh, social and mobile technology to acquire new members of their audience and acquire new customers and uh, maximize the value of those relationships. Thank you very much. Just wanted everybody to know that. Sanjay, let's go and take another tangent here. Let's talk about the mobile handheld UI future. We've been talking about UIs. You say that it will be dominated by wearables. Tell everybody, in case somebody's been hiding under a rock, what is a wearable and how do you think this part of handheld future, how soon will it become pervasive? Will it become ubiquitous or will it? You know, I think um, there's a there's a couple of trends that definitely look like uh, they're beginning to gain a lot of momentum. One of them is uh, smart watches. You've heard of Pebble. You've heard of uh, Samsung launching their smart watch, and there's rumors about Apple launching launching its smart watch. And then, of course, there's Google Glass. Um, you know, I don't know uh, if if you've had a chance to look at some of the applications on Google Glass or use one yourself. I mean, these are all devices where you know the those the usual things that you do uh you know you either search for information or ask for information or get text messages or emails short messages all of those things are coming down on these devices and these devices are getting pretty good uh you know the, for example google glass i think is 
really getting good, and uh, so are the smartwatches. So I definitely think that between voice capabilities and using uh, probably the two best real estates on uh, you know human beings, you know, which is on your wrist. Uh, or on your eyes, uh, those are the ones that uh, will start to dominate as more and more research and more and more usability engineering gets uh, focused in, on those areas. Thank you, Sanjay. Craig, what do you see in terms of wearables? What's your point of view on that? Well, I actually think the smartphone is going to change you know, dramatically over time. And maybe I'm looking a little bit further out, but you know, my mm-hmm. expectation is the whole thing is going to be in the cloud for the most part. And I think we'll end up with a smartphone on a chip. You know, from, from my perspective, we could all have a, certainly have a little Bluetooth piece in our ear with the entire smartphone on it, and then have the ability to choose what you'd like the display to be on, right? So, you know, certainly if you've ever seen the Corning, Corning's vision of the future where you've got, you know, smart kitchens and smart homes, right, where your, mm-hmm. your kitchen countertop can actually be a display device, right, or the same thing could be on your phone. I think we'll, have, we'll reach a point fairly fairly shortly we'll have a smartphone that will allow you to choose what you'd like to display on. And my expectations are we'll have a flexible <clears throat> display device that we can have in our pocket and choose the smartphone to display on that or give us the, give us the, result, uh, the results um, uh, audibly, right, potentially, right, or choose some other device, right? But I think that you know, the fact is we're all walking around with boxes in our pockets and, you know, we've been in the mm-hmm. computer business for years and years and years and those boxes keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller, but they're all boxes, right? And I think what's mm-hmm. going to happen is the dynamics going to change. Where the functionality will be on a chip, we'll be able to, to decide what we'd like to display on, and Google Glass is a great example of that. Craig and John and Sanjay, is this going to be a generational, generationally driven market? In other words, all of this cool stuff, and I think it is cool at this point, these wearables, is it something Gen Y is going to embrace? Wow, we were the first one on the block to have this, the first one to walk into work with this. But because we know millennials, for example, they love their status symbols. They love everything about status. So is this going to be the target of developers who are coming up with more and more of this new wearability of of our mobility, if you will? Are they going to be targeting millennials or are they going to make it more mainstream? John, what do you think? And Sanjay, anybody? I don't, yeah, it's John. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily generational. I mean, I just started using about a month or so back uh, the Fitbit Force. And, what is that? Uh, what is that? I, pardon me? What is that? Oh, so it's, uh, it's a device. You wear it on your wrist and it tracks how far you walk and it tracks your overall activity for a day. It can measure how much you sleep. And uh, so it's not, uh, it has, you know, some watch-like functions, and it actually mm-hmm. syncs and talks to your smartphone and reports back to the cloud. And so uh, it competes with, you know, the Nike Fuel Band and others in that category. But I think the idea here is, does wearing this device, do you get more back as a consumer or as a user than you have to put in in using it, and and maybe for some people it may be the status, but I think for other people there's a fitness benefit or a knowledge benefit, and I think that transcends young and old people. Uh, you know, I'm not a millennial, uh, but I you know, I've found that actually it's very fascinating to know how well I'm sleeping and to understand what's an active day and a not so active day, and 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 the features that it's giving to me, I feel it's it's rewarding, and and at the very least it's like a string on your finger that tells you, you need to exercise more. So all of those things, I think, cut across age, um, and it's the equation's going to make, you know, 
whatever sense for whatever age group. But I think as a developer, you can't just think of, hey, this is a millennial product. I think you need to think of, what am I going to give people back that's a great experience that's going to drive them to want to go buy this and tell all their friends about it? Thank you. Yeah, go ahead, Sanjay. Yeah, so this is Sanjay. So, you know, I think um, I'd like to, you know, uh, use an analogous uh, example to, Mm -hmm. you know, the days of the BlackBerry. If you remember... The BlackBerry was a device, a smartphone that dominated the smartphone space just about seven, six, seven years ago uh, before the iPhone came in. And if you think about the users of the BlackBerry, these were typically, you know, bankers, financials guys, techies who used it, right? And, you know, you would never think that, an, you know, a, an older person or a younger person would use it in those days. But then comes along, you know, the iPhone with usability that was completely intuitive. And then, of course, you know, everyone else followed along the same path, whether it was Samsung or LG or whoever. And then now if you look around you, the smartphone gets used by little kids who are literally one and two years old all the way to the 90 and 100-year-old folks. So I think it has more to do with the usability of these devices and the functionality of these devices rather than designing them for any category of users. That's, that's kind of what my thinking is. I'm glad I asked such a provocative question, and I'm glad you all put me in my place. I appreciate that. I'm a boomer, and I love technology, but we won't talk about age. Craig Basson, I have a comment here from you I want to squeeze in. We've got about three minutes until our break before we go into the prediction segment. You're talking to developers, and you say, think differently. Provide mobile professionals with what they need, not just what the app does. Why don't you explain that to me, please, and tell us about it, Craig? Sure. <clears throat> the one, one thing I'd like to say you know, regarding Sanjay's comment is Steve Jobs had a quote a few years back where when a new device comes out, the older user says, how does it work? And the younger one says, what can I do with it? Mm-hmm. Good, think, you know, very, yes. It was a great quote. I, I think about it all the time. Very apropos. Um, so your question really relates to what we talked about earlier, and, and that's about changing the way uh, changing the way apps work on a mobile device, right? So what we generally do when we're, devise, when we're devising an app is we say, okay, here's the functionality we're going to divide, going to, um, sorry, design into it, right? So, for example, many of the BI uh, solutions today uh, give you dashboards. And you go onto the dashboard and you can do X, Y, and Z. But if you want something outside X, Y, and Z, you've got to go outside that app to create it. Uh, in the BI world, end users can do what has been predefined by the BI solution. They want something different. They have to go back to IT to get it. And so what we're talking about is instead of doing that, let's open up all the data. If we're aware of what's in the data, we should be able to provide that to our end users, right, and give it to them in a way where they don't have to think about how do I ask the question, just ask it. Right? So. One of the examples I gave earlier about CRM uh, it was a good one, right? If we can just open up all the data to an end user and allow them to hit a button and ask a question and then get that answer, we can make every mobile professional 20%, 30% more efficient, right? In the CRM world, John, you grew up there. So imagine that we had this, you know, running on Siebel. You know, Siebel would be in a different place today, I think. Or it wouldn't be part of Oracle, for sure, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, a field sales rep, as he's sitting, as he's sitting in the waiting room, can say, what, what products did this customer buy last year but not this year? There's an upsell capability right there. Same thing's true for BI. We want to be able to have all the end users 
C-level executives are a great example. C-level executives almost never use your BI tool. It doesn't matter which one it is, whether it's business objects, whether it's diagnosis, it doesn't matter. But they're not going to go through the 10-day training course on how to do it. So what we should be able to do is give them a very simple way, whether it's on a smartphone, whether it's on the desktop, whether it's on a tablet, right? It's hitting a button, asking a question, and just give them the answer because we're aware of all the data. We just got to break through that UI issue. John, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to respond to what Craig just said. I heard you giggling in the background or chuckling, if you will, and then we're going to go to break. Any last words on this part, John Siegel? Oh, I was laughing at his comment about Siebel not being part of Oracle. If they'd done some things differently, I thought that was amusing. Um, but no, I think I think we're all uh, I think we all have some you know good thoughts here on this on this topic. And uh, so why don't we go to break and we can talk more after. I think we're going to. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask Craig Basson from Easy Ask, John Siegel at FanApps, and Sanjay Shiroli at SAP to go out into the attic, the basement, the car, the trunk, the back of the boat, and find the crystal ball. I know you all have one. I don't know if anybody's buying one from Steuben anymore. I wish I had years ago. I want you to polish it off, and when you come back, we're going to talk about startups and mobility, the handheld future. Five years from today, if we had this conversation, the same conversation about what we're calling the handheld future, would that already be entrenched in what we're all doing in terms of the devices and the apps and the social networking and how we ask questions and how we express ourselves? Will that future have happened and will it be a moot point or will there be another future after that? Hmm. It's like looking in the mirror and seeing the reflection over and over and over again. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers presented by SAP. Mike out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. 
are, and you know what time of the show it is. It's crystal ball time. I've asked my guests to go out and find the crystal ball, polish it off, tell me blue skies or cloudy skies. Handheld future, we're using that term today. Five years from today, will there be another version of handheld future looking into the looking glass? Let's start off with Craig Basson from Easy Ask. What do you see five years ahead, Craig? Thanks, Bonnie. You know, uh, much of this I've actually said, uh, but I don't mind repeating it. Again, I think I think the UI has already changed, right? I think the adoption of, uh, of virtual assistants like Siri and Google Now are going to increase more and more and more. All those apps, of course, reside within the cloud, and so one of the key elements is going to be what kind of an engine serving it up. And that's, by the way, it's one of the reasons we're working with SAT because we're using HANA to serve that up mm-hmm. in a memory database lazily fast. And the issue, of course, is if you ask a question, they get an answer back quick. And, and that's what we found, uh, and that's the beauty of, of, of HANA. It just, it just responds. It responds instantly. So, again, I think that more and more cloud-based apps, that question, I think the UI is already starting to change. I think more and more um, app providers are going to start using voice recognition and intelligent voice recognition on top of that. Nuance, by the way, has already started to go down that path. So I think I think that'll be taking the place again. I've agreed with uh, Sanjay that we'll have Google Glass or something like it as a display device. And I think the future is inc- incredibly bright. I think the you know the pattern that we've seen already is going to keep increasing. There's going to be more and more adoption of smartphones and tablets for business applications. Okay, thank you very much. Good summary. And, and Craig, I'll ask you one more question to cap this off on your segment of the predictions. Will there be another version of the future? I know we don't know what that will be, but do you think there will be another ask, another set of what would we love to have to make our lives easy, better, faster, more intelligent, more whatever we're looking for as a, as a civilization? Do you think in five years there'll be another handheld future we'll be looking forward to? In other words, will we have everything we want in five years? Uh, no, we'll want more. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to hear. Okay, good. Yeah, I was looking for the... Again, these... if you look backwards, right, it, mm-hmm. it, as Sanjay was talking about, you know, five, seven years ago, it was BlackBerry, right? And yep. the business users were very happy with BlackBerry. And then Apple came along with the iPhone and completely changed the world. Well, that's going to happen again. You know, I don't know if it'll be Apple. I'm not sure Apple is Apple any longer without Steve Jobs. We'll have to see. But we will have to see. Everybody's, everybody's waiting for that one. Plus Achange, plus LMM shows. Thank you, Craig. John Siegel from Fan Apps. What do you see in the future? Talk to me. I think when, you know, if, if we're here five years from now looking back, I think we'll look at something like the retail shopping experience, and it'll be completely unrecognizable. And I think mobile and, and related devices are going to have a big role to play in that. And, and the idea that I, I like to think about is that, you know, software has been taking on this greater role in our interaction with the real world, and it's been happening at the expense of hardware. And you know, if you look at, look at the early mobile phones, you had fixed keys and fixed functionality. But one of the beautiful things about smartphones is it's sort of new and, and, and changing with new applications and new software upgrades. And if you've ever been inside a, a Tesla car, the center dash is, is all touchscreen, and it's probably, you know, you could consider the whole thing a mobile device. And they could, with a software upgrade, change the whole look and feel and the experience, if they wanted, of, of how you interact with the actual car. And I think we're going to see the same thing in the retail environment, where today it's, it's all hardware. You've got counters and tables and racks and mannequins. It's static and very slow to change. And I think with the help of mobile and related devices, we're going to see retail environments where you can, you know, with 3D printers, print what you're going to buy and the actual look and feel of the 
of the store itself will change with displays and mobile interaction. So all of that, uh, it's almost like a, uh, if you've ever watched the Star Trek TV series Next Generation, it's like the holodeck. I think we're going to see a lot of that kind of experience five years from now and look back to today and go, how did we ever, you know, how did we ever shop in that time? Interesting. And will we ever have an app that will allow us to turn off the sound of, of sirens in the background when we don't want to hear them and they're not endangering us? Uh, I don't I, think so. Thank you. I said it was beautiful, you. Santa Monica. I didn't say it was prime or prime free. <laughs> That's fine. Same thing here on Long Island, my dear. Okay, Sanjay Shiroli, SAP. I can give you about a minute and a half for predictions. Talk to me, Sanjay. So, you know, I think, you know, my crystal ball tells me something a little bit more radical. I think it's the wireless communication technology that's going to get revolutionized to the next level where it almost becomes ubiquitous. So uh, what's probably going to happen is the smartphone box that we carry now, uh, I think like John said earlier, will probably go into a very small footprint. You know, it could literally fit on a button on your coat or something, and then all you're really interacting with is display devices. So it won't matter uh, about the form factor of the communication device, but it'll all be related to, you know, whether the glasses you're wearing, the watches you're wearing, or you might have panels all around you in public places, private homes, where data information, graphics, movies, whatever, that's being streamed through that little chip or button, uh, which is your communication device, will be displayed on those. So I think the revolution is going to happen there, uh, and it's really going to lead to a whole different level of interaction uh, on the mobile side. Thank you, Sanjay. Just enough time. i got 30 seconds to close. Okay, next Thursday, Startup Focus with Game Changer, 1 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be talking about, if I could do it all again, exploring the blessings of hindsight and blind ambition from the startup point of view. Next Tuesday, our newest series, Biz Buzz with Game Changers, we'll be talking about in-memory computing, speaking of the devil there, a new technology to remember. That's a play on words. Next Wednesday, Coffee Break with Game Changers, I launch my three-part Predictions 2014 special 2014. I'm going to have 45 thought leaders who've been on the shows over the course of 2013 getting three minutes apiece on December 18, January 8th, and January 22nd to give us their whatever predictions for the coming year. You don't want to miss that series. Thank you to Craig Bass and thank you to John Siegel. Thank you to Sanjay Shiroli. Wonderful. Great minds. Great talkers. Thank you so much for joining me. Michelle Hickey, we know you're listening and we wish we could meet you for drinks afterwards to continue this conversation. Krista Thomas, thank you for helping out. Appreciate getting to know you. And Robert Capanen, Mike, and the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Signing off for another edition of Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.